0: This week's episode of the Managing Madrid podcast is brought to you by our swag store, teespring.com slash stores slash Managing Madrid swag. Go there, get a bunch of hoodies, tees, mugs, pillows, whatever, you name it, all designed by a resident cartoonist, Finn. Support the show, help us grow the show. It would mean a lot to us. Also want to give a shout out to our patrons. So patreon.com slash Managing Madrid is where you go to pledge. You can get different rewards based on your pledge. Uh, but every patron gets access to our bonus shows. Every Tuesday, Matt Wiltsey and I, we record a podcast for our patrons to cover the players on loan, and Lord knows that's been fun this season. Odegaard's in great form. Atraf is killing it in the Bundesliga. We also talk about Mayoral, Teo, Oscar Rodriguez, um, Kovacic, so forth. And so if you want access to that, that's every Tuesday. That's on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. We also do our midweek show, so Champions League recaps. Copa Del Rey recaps, midweek La Liga games. All that post game coverage is only for patrons. So please check us out there. And before we start the show, I'm going to give a shout out to our $10 plus patrons because if you pledge $10 or more, you get a specific shout out on the podcast. So shout out to all these unbelievable, amazing patrons Red Bat, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahat, Nick DeStefane, Leon Stavernakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador. Mark Grady, Nicole Gant, Sergio Monleon, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Robero, Eric Rogers, Sheikh Hatiri, Raghav Reddy, Ola Wapamimo, Ola Dunjoy, Christian Toff, Dan Berthy, Armand Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Tyler Dixon, Raul Gutierrez, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Pena Madridista, San Francisco Bay Area, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Bosanchich, Sway Ayala, Rafael Servilla, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, Carolina Reyes, Brendan Powers, and Daniel Smith. You guys rock. Thank you so much. And without further ado, this is your host, Kian Sobani, joined by Matt Wiltzi, Managing Madrid Podcast, Sunday night, Espanol postgame show. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast, this is your host Kian Sobani, we're recording this on Sunday night, not long after Real Madrid put in a really good, feel-good performance and victory over Espanol in Cornea. and to help me break down this eventful game is fellow Lone Tracker podcast co-host Matt Wiltsey. Matt, how are you doing?
1: Kian, doing well, looking forward to uh, talking about the uh, the big boys today, the first team. Um, like you said, it was it was a feel good win, uh, third consecutive kind of feel good win under Solari.
0: I'm actually really excited to talk to you on Tuesday because um, there's some loan tracker stuff we could talk about. But until then, um, you're right. I think it's a good string of feel good games. Like I don't, I'm very cautious because we have no idea like what this means. Um, and as we know, football can be a roller coaster. Just like ask an Ajax fan how they must feel right now because. Um, you know, just I would say even like days ago, they probably felt much better than today because they had this the, the what was it six two loss to Feyenoord today. I think yeah. that puts them at a good five points back of the of the title race in the Eredivisie, and they see Real Madrid do their annual wake up around this time of year. I'm cautious, Matt. Like it's funny because like this is I feel like I've watched this movie. Like every year, I've watched this movie before. I've watched this team <laughs> frustratingly do nothing for six months, and then and then just like Modric looks like himself, Kroos looks like himself, Ramos looks good, Benzema looks good, Varan looks good. I mean, we can talk about Varan and the incident, but like I, you know, other than that, he looked good. Like, I, is this is this a is this the thing that we've been waiting for, or, is, or should we just pump the brakes? I don't I don't know how to feel about this right now.
1: Yeah, and that, I kind of had the same thoughts circulating in my mind. I, I'm thinking to myself, like you said, I've seen this. Well, here we go again. Are we turning it on in the second half of the season? But at the same time, I know one bad result, and we all know every everything, all hell is going to break loose, and it's going to be crisis all over again, and this is the worst season ever. And so I think we can be cautiously optimistic, but there were certainly – a lot of bright spots today and you mentioned a couple of them already i think i i guess we can get right into it kareem benzema just absolutely um, unbelievable performance he was sensational i mean i i tweeted i think that was one of his um best performance in a real madrid shirt top five at least i mean he was just on another level today
0: yeah this was a benzema masterclass. like everything like I felt it. This it was. A, it it really felt like he actually could do whatever he wanted to today. Like I don't remember. Like there was. It's funny, Matt, because that was like one of my first notes on him in this game was that there was a situation where he could have, where Vasquez steals the ball high up the pitch. Benzema gets it, and his passing and transition in that moment wasn't good. And I'm I just made a note of it because I thought it's something in the last few games that, despite being good, I felt like his passing and transition could have been better. And then literally like every single step and touch he took from that point on was literally perfect. And to the point where he was there were moments like he would just have the ball in the box surrounded by people and he was dribbling past all of them. Like not even like the ball bouncing off of shins and like and legs and, and bouncing in his feet. No, it was actually like control, dribbling in tight spaces, nut making people on through balls. Really great through balls to Carvajal, Modric, um, Vasquez in this game. Um Basically, I mean, look. Uh, th- these are the stats. I mean, we should first of all, like, Opta put out a stat that this he had fifty-four completed passes, which um, I mean, this part was kind of surprising to me. It's the most he's ever had in one game. So then he follows it up with four shots, five key passes, four completed dribbles, and just like constant danger. Like, I it really felt like this was. I mean, I think you're right. I mean, like it's it's. I think it's a lot to ask mentally, like some mental gymnastics to go back and think about every single game that Kar- Karim Benzema has ever played for Real Madrid, which has been a lot. And we know that because he also, I believe, equal Hugo Sanchez's goal-scoring um, record, and he's the fifth highest goal-scoring in Champions League history. So he's played a lot of games for Real Madrid. So to, to go back and think about what are his best ones is hard for me to do at this moment. But I think you're right. Like it was definitely, to me, it was definitely the best performance of the season,
1: by far. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've thought about some of, like, just looking. I've kind of done a little bit of those mental gymnastics, and when I think about it, the ones that stand out to me are um, the game at home in the Santiago Bernabéu against Athletic Bilbao and Mourinho's last year. I think that was 2013 Mm -hmm. when we had the white kits with the blue Adidas stripes. Um, I think the sorry my. Two puppies are no. Ne- ne- right never now. be
0: sorry about um, puppies on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Um,
1: um, I think the Champions League final last year, the la la decima Bayern Munich match at home, um, mm-hmm. the semifinal, and then I think this one's right in there with that mix. And I'm probably missing a few, like you said. There's so many years. You but- might
0: be able to throw in <laughs> yeah. Atletico. Was it? Uh, 2017. Uh, oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah in yeah, the Champions yeah. League. Yep. Yeah. But, again, this was just, this was the Kareem Benzema show and every everything he did. Like you said, those his ability to beat players in the box. Like, at one point, um, for his second goal, he, or no, not his second goal, I think it was um, the Gareth Bale goal. He dribbled three guys all over him within the box and just does these, tight-knit, close little cuts in the box, and um, just his ability to keep hold of that ball and get through that many players is is something to behold.
0: Yeah, in my immediate reaction, I labeled it as the perfect goal, which basically meant that everything was perfect. Like, Lucas Vasquez, the way he wins the ball was awesome because he doesn't foul the player, puts in the hard tackle. I, I don't know what happened to Baptista, why he just collapses there. I don't know if he got hurt on the player or whatever, but Vasquez wins the ball cleanly. Gets it to Benzema. Benzema, somehow, like, he just has it in his feet, dribbling past people and multiple defenders around him. I believe it goes back to Vasquez and then who finds Bale. And then Bale's touch and turn is brilliant. His finish is brilliant. Like, it was... Actually, all three goals had, like, this... Kind of, like, this hint of perfectionalism about them. Because even the set piece was really clean. Short corner to Modric. Modric, a great cross. And the leap from Ramos was incredible. Like, a great athletic feat. Um... There were four goals, were not there? So then there was the Benzema pass and move sequence with Vinicius, which Vinicius, like in real time when I looked at it, I wasn't sure if he meant to lay it off, but he did. And the finish was spectacular. The finish actually reminded me, Benzema scored kind of a, kind of a similar, not like identical, but a similar goal against, I believe it was Sociedad a few years ago. I Me mean, want to say like four years ago where he hits this far post curler. Like a it was a one time hit from Isco, and he hits it far post post top corner. Um this one went to the, the low corner in your post. That's not it's it's it was a really well placed shot. Um and then the first goal well the first goal was kind of Espanol really just I don't know what they were doing defensively. Modric just walks through and then Benzema scores the rebound. So what Benzema I'm sure Benzema's name will, will kind of reappear in the podcasts um, because of, of the magnitude of his game. What did you, what did you like or didn't like, or what was your assessment uh, assessment of the, I guess Real Madrid early in this game when they they go up one nil and then two nil, like during those first, let's say, twenty minutes or so.
1: Well, I think, and we've seen it in the past three games, I think the intensity at which the teams starting games. Um, is a complete 180 to anything we've seen this season. And we're, we're seeing Solari go out and try to execute a high press in most of the opening 15 to 20 minutes, and, and it's working. Um, and I think the big uh, a big turnaround is also, I mean, we're looking at individuals, and you mentioned it earlier, Luka Modric. I mean, <laughs> I wrote in my player ratings, which I'm about to put up, that the rumors are true. We're starting to see the real Luka Modric. I mean, he's... The past three games he's played he's been he's looking really good and he's starting to dominate that midfield again um, and he he created that first goal just like you said slicing through the whole midfield no one even got near him stabbed shot it um, that deflected straight to Benzema for the opening goal nearly had nearly had his own goal um, again his link up play with Benzema at the top of the box I thought that was one of the cornerstones of this match those two really linked up well. Um, and Modric was put through one on one, and unfortunately just missed it. Um, Diego Lopez managed managed to get the kick save out, but um, yeah, like you said, the first fifteen to twenty minutes we just looked really confident. Obviously, the early goal um, gave us gave us that confidence. But confidence. But I just I'm loving the intensity. I'm loving the work rate that it, each player seems to be putting out. Um, I mean, Lucas Vazquez for all the controversy that he caused because i thought he had a great game as well and yeah. just worked endlessly endlessly hard and was was composed and got out of some really tight situations um went on the ball
0: yeah even like vinicius who h- had a quiet game relative to to what kind of we've seen from him in the past few games was i mean he, ha- he obviously had the assist to benzema on the first on the ramirez th- third goal right before he gets subbed off, he had a really nice run on the left flank too, where he beats a defender and he gets to the byline and yeah. he just was unable to cut it back to Lucas Vasquez. Um, but just like, even like if that's a bad game from him, which I don't actually think it was, I'm sure we'll see worse games from him in the future, but, um, a quiet game from him and he was still like just buzzing around and working hard. He had another defensive intervention again, where he just drops deep. Like the effort was there. um, Something that Espanol just had to worry about amid Benzema, Modric, and Lucas Vazquez being in form. I think all of that is good. So I think there were basically two waves that gave Espanol life in this game, and both of them were in kind of just unlucky. But like even labeling it as unlucky is is kind of weird to do and because in the context of football. Football is football. Like, just things happen in the game that you just know are not going to be in your hands or just, like, that don't go your way or whatever. If that's football, it's going to be a roller coaster. And I don't think... I'm not sure Espanol worked necessarily hard to get those two little waves. So the first one, Real Madrid were firmly in control. A lot of movement be- between the lines, counter-pressing. Espanol couldn't string, like, two, three passes together get it coming out of the back. Real Madrid had a lot of the ball. And the first, basically, wave that Espanol get is a shot and a deflection that falls to Leo Baptistao, and maybe Vasquez should have been there, but I also think, like, the deflection throws the whole team off, and Baptistao gets it, and it's I can't tell you, Matt, how much I've watched this dude play in the last two seasons, and I've seen him miss open nets, I've hit the crossbar on breakaways – you name it, he's not an impressive player. But guess yeah, Real he actually, Madrid, he blasted into the into the, I don't even know what it was, I didn't, like top, yeah. I guess like under the mesh almost. Yeah,
1: well he said before the game, because he, he was going through a really poor goal scoring stretch, and he said before the game that he was going to do whatever it take, took to score against Real Madrid. So of course, <laughs> when that moment yeah. came, he broke his goal scoring straight, like you said, so
0: and that kind of, like, that set off this weird thing where Espanyol and Real Madrid kind of went back and forth a bit at each other, like, in transition. And Espanyol got a bit more confidence going forward. That that So that goal gave them a bit of life. And I thought when it, that, like, back and forth kind of settled down a bit, I don't know how long it lasted, maybe 10, 15 minutes. Um, then Espanyol kind of, they went into this, like, 4-5-1 block defensively, Um Bit of a higher block and they looked a bit more compact. But I think, like, even during that wave of momentum that Espanyol had, I thought Real Madrid's transition defense was really good. So I know this is going to come up later in a question, but you know, Marcelo this and Marcelo that. I really, this was another really solid performance from Regulon. I was impressed that he seemed really dedicated to just being in his spots defensively. He worked really hard, tracked, um, picked his spots. Kroos was pressing really well in this game, Um, you know. Just really glad to see him back. By the way, I thought he was really good in this game, along with Modric, and and like so. I just I just thought they dealt well in transition, and then obviously the Benzema goal. So, what what did you think? Like you know, to the point where that point where they concede and to end the half, is it just me or did they look in control still?
1: Yeah, um, no, I think we, I, I think we did. I, I think to get that goal right before the half was crucial because um, that just calms everybody's nerves and kind of puts puts the team in the in the frame me- mentally. Um, but I, like you said, I mean, despite and I know we'll get into it later, despite the controversy kind of surrounding guys like Isco and Marcelo, um, Sergio Reguilon. And I'm I'm a big believer in his talent. I really like the kid. Um, yeah, I, I, he's deserved every minute he's played because he is not. He really hasn't had a poor showing since pre in preseason. He even was phenomenal, um, and the kid's playing well. He's solid. He's tidy in possession. Um, he times his runs well. He doesn't. He's not overly aggressive. I mean, he he rarely. He's always going to give you like that six or seven out of ten type of performance and. That's exactly what you want. You can trust him back there. Um, so I've been I've been really impressed with him and you you can't complain especially when it's a, a kid from the Cantera who's literally grown up at Real Madrid. He was with he joined like this youth um, before they even had teams. He was at Real Madrid when he was 4 years old um, and has literally worked his way up every single rank. So you got to be you got to be proud to see that happy to see a, a, a kid like Reguilon who hasn't been loaned out hasn't had a buyback clause anything like that he just worked his way up to the first team and is now getting significant minutes. yes it's at the expense of a guy like Marcelo who we all love and adore and has given us just everything over multitude of years but at the same time we got to respect the fact that regular owners come in and really put in some good performances. And so I – and the same for – I mean, Lucas Vasquez is getting it done as well. And as much as – I want to see Isco get some more minutes. I want to see Isco be – have a relevant role in Solari's team. But right now, I think we got to give Solari a little bit of credit. I I don't think he's gotten much credit. And if you just look solely at his results, let's even forget the performances – but just all the results he's had over, I think it's like twenty some, twenty some games now. He's done pretty well.
0: Well, he had the. I'm trying to think back. Like there, they were really there were some games that I really felt like, oh my god, this season is really unrecoverable in some ways. Not unrecoverable, but it it just really felt like I agree. there was a lot I- that had to be done for this season not to go trophyless. And you know, and who knows, like. We're, I, I, I just don't know but like there was that defeat against Abar the 3-0 was horrendous and then um, there was that whole s- stretch with the 1-0 wins over Huesca and Rio, which it did really really didn't look good um, but hey like the Sevilla game was great um, this one was and really I'm, good yeah
1: what I'm trying to say too is like yeah I completely there were games where I wanted to rip my hair out it was so awful watching but like in terms of just results, not even looking at performance-wise, in terms of just results, I mean, Solari, let's wait. I think you could point out, like you said, the Ibar, I-bar match and the Real Sociedad match, um, that loss at home. Those yeah, two are probably that, yeah. the big, the big ones that are kind of the blotches on his record book. But aside from that, everything else is, I mean, he's getting the results. And again, I'm not saying it's been phenomenal football by any means. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying I, I love Solari, but I am saying, I think he gets a lot of uh, backlash and I think we got to give him some credit here. He's, he came in to do maybe an interim job, maybe just promote some youth, kind of get the harmony going in the squad again. Um, and I think he, he's, doing that and now we're starting i mean the past three games i'll take this if this is how the team's to is performing now if we're going to start clicking a gear who knows whether that would have happened under lopetegui but it's happening now so we gotta i think we gotta give him some credit
0: yeah i would almost go as far as to say that it's not only that he deserves some credit i think he deserves a lot of credit because the amount of scrutiny that he he gets he got even you know, myself included pretty much everyone I managed to include, and I think a lot of it was rightful criticism, not not taking back what we said. But given how much he's been under the microscope, I also felt like in a lot of ways he was playing with house money. Like he came in, really nobody expected anything from him. His record with Castilla speaks for itself. You know, some of the the way he miserably failed at reinventing certain players. Um, the uninspiring offensive blueprint that he had at Castilla, um, albeit like a really good defensive record, and and also he got the best out of his defenders too at Castilla. So it was that, but um, he also he didn't he wasn't conservative about it. You know, I think he came in and he really rolled the dice with something that he wanted to do, and it was unconventional. Benching Marcelo and Isco is unconventional. Um, giving heavy minutes to Vinicius Junior is is kind of ballsy. Putting Marcos Llorente in that game against Roma, it was ballsy. It was a, it was the Champions League debut in Rome. That was ballsy. Um, I think there are, there's credit for all that. Like, I think you can say a lot of things about him. To say he doesn't have balls for sure is not one of them. I think despite yeah. the Isco and Mar, I mean even. Rightfully or wrongfully, whether it's justified or not, even benching Kaylor Navas for every single game was ballsy. Like just and just to come out and say Courtois is my guy—that's ballsy. What I'm not saying it's right or wrong thing to do. I'm just saying like the guy has cojones, and that's a, that's the message he brought in this first game, like the very first game against Melia when he was first brought into the fire. Um, and he's also yeah. like a me- despite the whole Isco thing. Still nothing, nothing about his character is to say that he's not a man-manager. Somehow he's still got everyone on his his side. The Isco thing, like, even Nacho came out and said that Solari is on Isco's side. Like, it's not, it's not, like, the way the media portrays it. It's not that bad. Like, there may be personal issues, but still nobody, nothing really tells me, even despite that story, that there's anything wrong with his man-management style. Or um the way he's you know, marcelo he he he's praised his character completely and he came out and said Marcelo's like character is like, you know, embodies what we believe in and he's his attitude is exemplary. Um and you know, but like no player is indispensable. And um so there's just that. Like I don't I think, you know, I'm I'm yeah, done no, i done my Solari swooning for the moment, but <laughs> I just you know I, I think that that part of it he deserves that credit.
1: Yeah, I, I think you're right, and I think um, like contrary to a guy like Mourinho, who when he's having these tiffs or whatever you want to call it with players, like Mourinho will call out the player, badmouth the player before press conferences, and. Blame the player. Solari is doing exactly the opposite, saying he loves, he adores the way he plays. Saying, like you said, Marcelo has been the best fullback in the last decade, and that he's a full embodiment of Real Madrid. Um, it's things like that 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 that's kind of the difference. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I don't think we need to swoon Solari anymore. I just wanted to give him some slight credit because I think he does deserve some. Um, but back back to the match, I think. Mm-hmm. One other, one other player I wanted to call out, um, and I, I think you you did already, is Tony Cruz. I think he was, it was really, it was really nice to have him back. He had three key passes in this game, a 96% pass accuracy from his 88 passes, and just all being able to have that outlet who, uh, no matter how many guys are on his back hacking him, he can still kind of withstand that pressure. He's so press resistant and be able to withstand that, and just always be the option and find that next path i mean you there's no value you can put on that and to have tony cruz back and performing well him and modric when they're performing well it just makes such a difference to this team
0: well if they're at their a game it's they're the best midfield duo on earth like i don't care if they're if they're at their peak no, no one is better as a tandem in the center midfield um he also had 113 touches in this game that's uh Ooh, thirty more touches than the second most on this team on on the field, which was Casemiro. Wow. So um, heavily involved, and as he usually is, like he's a he's always a key cog in possession, like he's a funnel for everything. And um, Cruz was great. Um, who else do we want to talk about in this game? I think we should. It's worth noting as we get into the second half discussion that Nacho came in for Ramos, who had a knock um which by the way, like man espanol were rough in that in this game like yeah. especially in the first half and I was like, man like do you not remember we are kind of allies let's not let's not forget <laughs> our, our special shared moment of the tamudazo, um where where w- in one moment we essentially became one to 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 fuck Barcelona over. <laughs> Let's not forget that. Let's not erase history now. Come on. Don't undo everything (laughs) you did. So Ramos comes off at halftime for Nacho. So that means Solari's burned one sub. He's also brought on the only central defender he has in the team. So, and now, Matt, this takes us to Real Madrid still in control. Second half, completely in control. Bale scores the fourth, still in control. Um, At that point, I was kind of excited. I was like, if Espanol want to chase this game a little bit if they have any hope in pulling this back and maybe somehow by some miracle chasing and getting an equalizer which they may also not do they may also just decide you know let's just cut our losses and and make sure we don't concede anymore um but if they chase in the game this was a perfect game for Bale to just really punish them in transition and get his confidence going in his first game back it got really complicated though with the Varian red card um and I didn't mention a thing about the referee in my immediate reaction because I really felt that time I didn't see enough replays. I don't know what the the assessment was. I went back and looked at it eh, I think it's kind of i don't it's kind of harsh, but i from what I've seen, I'm not sure if he clips him completely. am I missing something is there is there a replay
1: yeah i I mean, I I could see both sides of it. Um, I I mean, I can't like I can't say I was out outraged by the decision though. I can't say like when it happened that I thought, oh my god, this ref, this ref is unbelievable. because yeah. if he connects, I, it's,
0: it's 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 a yeah. red card. I I just wasn't sure if he had actually connected. That that was the only thing I couldn't see.
1: Yeah, it, it it was more of like he I he I think he did connect, but it was more of like kind okay. of when legs get tangled when you're running next to someone. Um and Varan was trying to catch up to him. It was just behind him, and I think their legs kind of just barely touched and tangled mm-hmm. a bit. Because um, I saw
0: also um that the Espanol player, who was a Piatti, I think, also he kind of tripped over his own leg. So that was the angle I saw that I wasn't sure if he tripped over his own legs or Varan's legs. That's why.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, like you said, the, after that, I mean, we were in complete control. It was... It was actually really fun to watch. And I was hoping to see more of uh, Gareth because we were in cruise control and just let him uh, kind of spread his legs a bit and um, just really show his stuff. But unfortunately, we didn't have that chance. By
0: running on the field, you mean? Yeah, sorry.
1: <laughs> but um, but yeah, we, <laughs> we didn't have that chance. And so the game, I mean, it just got... It got ugly after the red card. I mean, we we were forced to shift Reguilon uh, to center back. Marcelo came on. Um, we were kind of on our, the back foot, and Espanol managed to score, and that's when things really got heated. And I think looking at the replay, you could see that Marcelo actually kept uh, – who was – I can't remember who it was. Uh, Rosales. Rosales yeah. on. And, um He smashed home. It was a beautiful goal, actually. smashed home the volley. Nothing Courtois could really do. Um, And from there, it was kind of the last 12 minutes or so was just Madrid defending. And it should have been... It's unfortunate because, I mean, we had such a strong lead, but it felt more uncomfortable than just a a two-goal lead.
0: Yeah. And then... um, Well, I was going to ask you, what did you think about the sub? Did you cuz he doesn't have any center backs is there any other shuffling you would have thought about doing instead of yeah, bringing up Marcel from I mean
1: Norbert? I I think I maybe the only other thing you could think about was putting on Llorente and maybe dropping Casemiro to center back but I I mean I get I feel, you can trust Marcel I mean it's not necessarily the most defensive position but you can trust him to kind of play that role for the last 10 minutes of the game shifts Sergio Regulon in. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was crazy. I've seen some people say like, what, what kind of sub was that? Um, but I didn't think it was a terrible sub, but yeah, I think the only other thing you really do is maybe slot your What are, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I was on the fence, yeah. but I, so like the Regulon at center back, um, I mean, I, it's just a sample size. We just don't have, and it's, it's a freak thing that you'll never probably see again. And, uh, so I and if that's something that they've done in the training ground or regularly as you know as practice there maybe uh, obviously you I don't expect him to come in and just be a natural centre back in the situation. Your other option is Casemiro, who eh, he has never looked good, and when he's played there as as a makeshift centre back, um, yeah, obviously Llorente is another option. My my issue is I think less with bringing Marcelo on. At that point, also, like, Bale was a left-back. Like, you look at his heat map. He he was never as high up the pitch as, like, Vinicius was. Just by default, because Real Madrid were playing with 10 men. Bale just was kind of pinned in this game. Um, but taking Modric off was kind of... I can understand the thought process. You're up for one, even with 10 men. Like, you know, it, it may have even been a case of getting Mordric some planned rest. Like, you don't want to play him too much. It was a physical match. Uh, But he is also the type of player who plugs so many holes and like so like I could have really seen him being useful playing him in a 10 man scheme where he's just covering and stuff and he can can he he can drop deeper and plug some central channels as well and you would have had Marcelo and um, Bay on the left flank so you theoretically would have been covered on the flank so you just need someone centrally to stay in. And then you could have almost Marcel or Modric and Casemiro drop into a double pivot of sorts if you wanted to plug holes. That was the only thing I could really think about. Um, and obviously, Ironte is always a good choice because his coverage is always good, and he'll always be in those spots defensively. And um, now that he's gotten that hand, ridiculous handball out of his system, I I think he'd be fine. But you know, that's the only thing I would have probably done, thought about differently in terms of the substitution is is Modric the guy we take off in a situation like this? Because he kind of calms the whole team down. He's in the right spots. He communicates. And losing his presence, I thought, affected us more than, you know, saying that Marcelo being brought on was a disaster or anything.
1: Yeah, that, that that's a good point. You can never um, underestimate kind of the calming influence, especially when the game's getting hectic like that, the calming influence that Modric can bring is um, give the team kind of that breather after taking on an onslaught of Espanol attacks, if you find Madrid, you kind of can just be like, oh, all right, now we can, let's pass. Yeah. So I, I agree with that.
0: Yeah. Um, so Real Madrid's XG 2.37, Espanol gets at 1.18, obviously deserve victory. Um, do you have any other notes you want to share before I move to questions?
1: Uh, let me look at my player ratings right now, see if there's anyone else I want to pick out. Um... No, I think I think we're good. I think we could move to question. I would just say I thought before Sergio Ramos came off, I thought he played really well. Had a gorgeous, gorgeous um, one of those which we haven't seen in a while. His uh, direct diagonal ball across across the field to Carvajal. Hmm. He hit it on the money, um, and had, I feel like we haven't seen that in a while. And it was it was just gorgeous. So thought he had a really good game until he had to come off. Um, so. Hopefully it's nothing serious.
0: Well both this season and last season he had a stretch where he just couldn't hit that diagonal ball. Like he tried over and over again and it would Yeah. It would either go like directly behind the goal line or just like out of bounds or or, or to a defender. Um but when he, he he does hit it sometimes and it's just perfect and it's really great to watch. Um which by the way, like if you I mean like our center back situation this this game as it unfolded it was sad espanol were missing three center backs oscar duarte david lopez Naldo, all injured so they had to call up for the second consecutive game um luis lopez who was who is their youth team defender to partner mario hermoso so i think that's like another just i espanol are just spiraling right now it's just bad yeah situation i didn't
1: there. i didn't even realize that wow yeah
0: um Patreon.com/slash/managingMadrid is where you go to pledge, get guaranteed responses to your questions, and a quick announcement to make on that note. Starting March first, uh, March first-ish, because our timing is, you know, it's it is what it is. So we don't always do everything exactly on time, but we are going to change the Patreon pledges. So, uh, I believe it's five dollars minimum to get instead of three dollars, and then the guaranteed. Responses are going to be $10. So if you're already in, you're in. You're grandfathered in. Congratulations. And if you want to get in grandfathered before then, you have all of February and some of January to do that. Um, but then March 1st, it changes. So now is the time to get in. So, first question from a patron, Leon Stavronakis. He says, Benzema was brilliant. If our midfield can play up to their best level, as they have recently led by a resurgent Modric, I still believe Benz, Bale, and the developing. Uh, Vinicius Jr. can get the goals this team needs to be competitive against anyone. Um, and then Vino Baratula says the first 23 minutes was the best start to the season. Mordich's forward runs and link up play with Benz is working well, especially broke our back line and made us work for three points. Any news on the Ramos injury? Um, I will just say that as of right now, which is Sunday night, um, it's around eight Eastern. There's no real update. Solari said after the game that bringing Ramos off was essentially a precaution and that hopefully it was a light injury and that he hopes that Ramos can play in the second leg against Giron in the Copa del Rey. So that's good news. Do you have anything, Matt, you want to touch on in these first two statements slash questions?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think we talked a bit, a, a bit about all of this, but I, I agree with um, Leon Stavarnakis' point. I think... Whenever you, and whenever you've got guys like Modric, Benz, Cruz, the key cogs, some of these guys, like once they're gelling, it makes such a difference, and we're seeing it. Um, and yeah, like you said, a developing Vinicius Junior. I mean, wasn't wasn't one of his best games, but still, he always provides a threat, and it's just his raw abilities, his speed, um, his verticality, all that just provides a threat. So this team does this team has always had the squad. We've always believed in these players. It's just whether or not the motivation's always been there, whether or not the right tactics have in place, the right coaches have been in place, whatever it is, for some reason, they are so inconsistent. and I think that's been the most frustrating thing for us madridistas. But yeah, if they're again, let's let's be cautious, but if they are starting to click here, it 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 could be could be another exciting ride, but let's let's be cautious. <laughs>
0: Well, Modric and Benzema linked together so beautifully in this game. Um, I And Modric had, like, some really nice pass and move sequences where, he, you know, passes to Benzema, runs behind the defensive line, gets the ball back, um, shoots, and didn't score in this game. It's, it almost seems like Modric needs to be outside the box to score. Uh, some of, the, like, the simpler ones, are, like, you think, like, for sure he's going to score, and he, he kind of shoots at the keeper, or the keeper makes a great save. But those two linked up really well together today. And, um... My question, Matt, is like we know Benzema is not going to sustain this. The goals, like I'm sorry, I, I don't, I just don't see it. Like I, I could have pictured even this game. We see Benzema play great. He has these great touches, and he doesn't score those two chances. It's not implausible. <clears throat> um, or he scores in the next few games, but can he sustain the scoring? History tells us he's not going to be a prolific goal scorer, um, but. Then the question is, when he's not scoring, who does score? And that, still, I ha- I don't have the particular answer to, but if you've seen anything in the last three games, it, the suggestion or the solution might be that it is, the offense is a bit diversified right now, which I enjoy. It doesn't seem to be overly reliant on one particular thing, um, such as crosses into the box to a short player marked by several defenders, or... You know, we've seen a lot of shots from outside the box. We've seen some crosses. We've seen runs in the half We saw a lot of movement between the lines today. Um, you know, we've seen Mordic chip in from the midfield. We've seen Casimiro chip in from the midfield. And knock on wood with with Bale back, you know, that diversifies the offense a little bit more. Lucas Vasquez making a lot of good runs. Vinicius making a lot of good runs. If the attack is diversified that way, um, you know, it it helps a little bit.
1: Well, one thing that I've noticed um, especially in the last three games I th- and I want to I want to go back and look at Luka Modric's heat, heat map for this game as well, but he I think he's Solaris taken one out of Lopetegui's book and putting him slightly in slightly more advanced positions, not quite yeah. as high as Lopetegui had him, but he is in more advanced positions and I mean and you're seeing he's getting him way more goal-scoring opportunities. He's higher up the pitch linking up with Benzema, and that's what we got to see. Um, all those beautiful combos. And I think that's that's been a slight tactical shift that Solari has implemented, and it's it's paying dividends. I mean, Modric almost, if he scored that goal, that would have been his third consecutive um, league goal, which he's never done before, and he's never been mm-hmm. a goal scorer. So to have him um, getting in, into these positions and being more of a threat is is good to see. That gives us another... Goal scorer gives us another, like you said, diversified option in the attack, um, and then, and then if our strikers don't score, or our midfield don't score, there's always Sergio Ramos, who are, who already has ten goals this season. Yeah.
0: Unbelievable. Well, so I mean, even I mean, just I mean, outside the penalties, like his goal today was really special. Like the header was really, really something.
1: I mean i I think one of the bold takes at the beginning of the season could have been. Sergio Ramos to score 20 goals. It would have been outlandish. But, hey, at now, right now, it, it could be feasible. I don't think it will happen, but it, what could. Is he, it could. What is he at right now? He's at 10, I think, in all competitions.
0: <laughs> That's a lot of goals for a defender. Um, yeah, you're right about the mortgage thing. I think under Lopetegi, at first when I saw what was happening and how the way Lopetegi had like lined up his scheme... Obviously, that was one, like, obvious thing that we noticed was Modric was kind of in front of a double pivot, and he was, like, almost as a 10. So it almost kind of unfolded into, like, this 4-2-3-1 type thing. Yeah. But I didn't, in theory, like, I I really liked the idea, but I didn't like the way it looked under Lopetegui. I don't know, like, it felt like Modric just wasn't involved enough in that role. He was a bit isolated, I don't know why it's working a bit better now. The only thing I can just put together quickly is that, a, he's in better form. That he wasn't under Lopetegui, he wasn't in great form. Benzema's better, so he's linking up better with his teammates. Um, but also, there's more. There, there seems to be a nice fluidity right now to the offense off the ball, and that makes everybody's job a little bit easier. Whereas there were huge stretches of chunks of games pieced together under Lopetegui where it was there was a there was stagnancy. There was some lack of ideas of how to break down a defensive side. It seems to be a bit more fluid now. So I think part of that maybe now we see Mortage kind of thriving a little bit more. Mind you, he still does a lot of good defensive work. And, you know, at times you still see Cruz high at the pitch. You see Casimir up the pitch. But Moritz is the one who's like, you know, like you saw today, just like these vertical pass and move sequences with Benzema again then getting back into the box to receive a ball. Um, so it seems a bit more efe- efficient. Than when Lopetegi did it,
1: and even uh Cruz today, he had three shots, which was the second most in the yeah. team. And yeah. I mean, that's I've noticed he's he's taking more opportunities himself. So I think it's a clear um instruction from Solari to hey mid, we need more from our midfield. We need more goals from midfield. So I think he's been telling them, guys, take your opportunities, take your shots. get in advanced positions.
0: Sheikh Hatiri says. Hey, y'all. Two points. I'm displeased. First point. I'm displeased with our defensive performance during the last 10 minutes. We received three cards during a period that our goal margin was four, with only 10 minutes left. That was totally unnecessary. Carvajal could have received another one, too. Um, so I I must admit, like, during those last 10 minutes, I'm basically just watch- writing the reaction. Um, what, can, you, can you walk us through that def- defensive performances towards the end?
1: Yeah, and I, I agree with Shea's sentiment here. I think it wasn't it wasn't a pretty last 10 minutes and you're going to have sometimes games just turn out that way, especially when you're down to 10 men. You sometimes just have to grind it out, but um there were kind of silly fouls and things a lot of defensive sequences that could have been avoided. Um, and like that Carvajal foul, um, which could have resulted in us going down to nine men and he gave away a dangerous free kick. So there are a lot of moments like that where it was just kind of, it was all unnecessary. We didn't need to be quite so frantic and quite, um, so disorganized. So, um, you, you would, even with 10 men, you'd expect more from the team, but without Roran and Ramos there, I think we, we lack some organization.
0: Shea also says, I think he's, I think Solari is going too far that he's alienating some of the older players. And here I'm specifically talking about Marcelo. Roberto Carlos played an elite level until 32 or 33. And nowadays players last longer. Marcelo is only 30. I'm sure Regulon could reach the skies, but why is Solari not managing his entry to the squad better to keep Marcelo also satisfied? I wonder how it would work for Vinicius Jr. Now that Bale is back and healthy. Full disclosure, I get sexually aroused every time Vinicius has the ball and I truly think that if somebody could play like this at 18, then in five years the world could say, Messi who? Um, So well, why don't we start with you? What are your thoughts on the Marcelo thing?
1: Um, Well, yeah, like like I said earlier, I mean I think Reguilon deserves the game time he's getting. Yes, Marcelo is the best left back in the world, uh, especially when he's on form and and in, when his fitness levels are high, but right now those two things are, he's not. He's not on form. He's not. His fitness levels aren't where they need to be. So I think Regulon deserves the minutes he's getting. I think Solari is basically saying, sending. He said it in the press conference. Everybody needs to kind of feel that, that competition. Nobody can be complacent. Marcelo's is going to need to work, and he's going to whether that means maybe shedding a couple pounds and um, kind of producing hey even if you get 10 minutes yes it's hard to to um kind of produce your best work but i mean i've been part of teams and just environments where coaches have said even if you get one or 30 seconds like you have to go out there and take your opportunity produce something like make an impact um and in his 10 minutes a day I, i don't think it, sure, it's it's easy to, like, he was put into a tough situation with 10 men down and Espanol really piling men forward. But, I mean, he wasn't tuned in on that goal, and he he was the reason why um, Rosales was kept on side. And I'm not trying to hate on Marcelo, because I adore the guy, and I, I love him. I think I, he's a Real Madrid legend, and he's given us so many um, incredible memories and just so many incredible moments. I, I, at the same time, I think we have to be fair and respectful of Regulon. I think he deserves the minutes and Solari is not um, in the wrong to be playing the kid.
0: I don't think he's in the wrong either. Um, I want to kind of tie this into another question. Um, just, I, I, think, I think it would be good to just tie this in to another question from Nicole Gant, who is another patron. She says, please talk about Isco. What is going on with him and Solari? so i I wrote about this i have I have written an article about this that's unpublished It's going to be released for statsbomb I don't know in a few days Whoever, whenever it gets released I'm not entirely sure when it gets released but I wrote a lot about kind of like the tactical fit some of it about the relationship, but I think truly like maybe the relationship part is overblown and uh when you look at it from a and that's not to say that there was no issues between the two because there clearly was but when you look i try to look at it more from a tactical point of view also and solari wants one of the things that we've seen solari want and that's clear and that's really clear in the last three games is the intensity and people to be match fit which east Coast not which is understandable kind back of i know it's been a while but you know, to regain that fitness, it's not an easy surgery to to come back out of. And um, so match fitness and intensity. Two things that Mar- Marcelo and Isco seem to lack right now. Uh, and Regulon and Vinicius Jr. both have been buying into the system. And I don't... And the thing is, it's easy to look... It's very tempting to... To kind of look at history and recent history to to figure out you know who should play and who shouldn't. I think Solari is right when he said what he said about um, you know no 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 player in this team should feel like their place is 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 guaranteed. I think that's a really good rule of thumb to just have. It's a good ethos. It's a good it's good for everyone to keep to keep everybody on their toes. Maybe it's what's needed. Maybe it's what Real Madrid have needed. And maybe it's the reason they they were seventeen points behind last season. They they really like. I mentioned this on Twitter today. Like, how frustrating is it? Like, we see the team play, play this way. Why not like this every week? Why? We don't have an answer. Zidane talked about it after every press conference, after every game last season, and still nothing. The same. The next game it was the same. Like, you just no motivation, no intensity. So I I respect that 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 would be a good ethos to have to keep everyone on their toes to keep everybody hungry and lord knows both isco and marcel's position are the most depth we have in the team isco is obviously because it's the center mid or like the attacking midfielder slot. we just have so many players who can play that role who are exactly what um solari wants in terms of directness in terms of um in terms of energy intensity with the left back, I obviously am stretching it a little bit because I'm talking about also at Atraf, Just the theoretical, like, when we when he comes back, it'll be deep. But, like, not necessarily right now. But but Regulon is playing well enough that he deserves minutes. So I also would be curious to know, Matt. Um, which, like, by the way, winning masks everything. So keep in mind that if Real Madrid lose these games or they follow up this stretch by laying eggs... Um, they have that stretch where you have Barca and then Ajax. Let's say you get knocked out of the Champions League, you lose to Barca again, and Isco and Marcelo don't play the game. This is going to be a completely different discussion where people will be like, oh, we told you Isco and Marcelo should have played. Um, but for the time being, it makes sense to kind of roll with what's working. And so I think Solari deserves the benefit of the doubt in that. Um, but again, I'd be curious, Matt, to know how long-term this is. I would say... It feels like the Isco thing would be more of a long-term thing than the Marcelo thing. I The drop-off when peak Regulon peak Marcelo, if peak Marcelo was there, it's a huge drop-off, I think, to me. Um, not to say that Regulon would, would do bad. Maybe he goes into a classic and puts in a tremendous shift. Maybe he goes against Ajax and is, and is tremendous. Not to say he can't do that. But... Peak Marcelo, if he gets to that level, nobody on earth—and I mean nobody—can do what he does from that position. Nobody. Like he's—it's an offensive weapon, and if he gets going in the final third, which we saw him towards, like in the second half against Girona, just a, it's a different dimension to the at- attack altogether that Regulon can never bring. So, I'm I'm skeptical that that one is a long-term thing. I don't think it is. I think it's more of like a wake-up call to Marcelo. I could be wrong because we just don't know what's in Solari's head. Um, And Regulon might keep going on a tear and Marcelo may just continue to lack match fitness and energy. But I I have trouble seeing that as a long-term thing.
1: Yeah. And I, I kind of, I get that same vibe as well. That's kind of how I've been reading the situation. I think the Marcelo situation is slightly different to Isco and, the East Coast one is a little bit more worrying because now we have even more players coming back from injury. And, um, the, the question pointed it out. What, what happens when the bells coming back with Vinicius? I mean, that, that's interesting to me. I wonder how Solari is going to manage that because Vinicius has been so good. Is he going to keep Lucas Vasquez in there? Is he, are we going to see, I would love to see Vinicius Bale, Benzema. I think that would be a really fun attacking trident. Um, but I'm I'm interested to see how he manages that, and then if whoever is slotted back to the bench, I mean that's probably gonna even further down push Isco even further down the pecking order, which is which is a worry because I mean we want we we like I said we want Ko to have a relevant and important role, and I'm just I'm I'm worried about him.
0: Well, you didn't even mention Asensio, who we've all forgotten about.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh <laughs> um, my God,
0: you're right. Yeah, and so. Isco's problem now is this, that I think Solari sees him as a midfielder more than in the front three. So if you're front three, right, so it's a good problem to have, by the way, at this point, because in the absence of Asensio and Bale who were injured, Vinicius has gained form, Lucas Vazquez has gained form, Karim Benzema has gained form. So if you have Asensio and Bale coming into that, to me, that's a good problem. Um, with Isco if he plays in the midfield <laughs> Modric and Kroos are in great form he's not getting any minutes over them and then Sabios has been really good of late Fede Valverde has looked solid i think yeah uh i you know it's it's a tough place to be in for i think right now
1: we'll see how kind of things unfold especially with um the Copa del Rey matches now and Champions League and he's going to have to start rotating that midfield more. Um, So we'll see. I mean, Modric's 33 years old. He's not, and we know how much he played. Like he needs to be rested. Cruz, we need to keep him rested. He's 29 now. I mean, so there, there should, you would think there'd be opportunities for Isco, but even like we saw in the Betis game, Fede Valverde got the nod over him and performed well in that game. So, um it's, it's it'll be interesting to see how it plays out even further down the line here as the games come thick and fast.
0: Writing that article for StatsBomb is cool because, well, I, I'm not going to spoil a lot of it because StatsBomb has access to a lot of cool stats which will be unveiled in the article. But I'll just just a few stats that I can just list up that are just available to the public um, that we just kind of forget about ESCO because. I I also, you know, wrote about like, let's not forget this guy was like unbelievable, sixteen, seventeen. Um against PSG last season, he just ran himself into the ground. You're talking about energy, man. Like no that his energy in that game was contagious, yeah. pressing like crazy, covering for fullbacks. Um this season, like even though it's like one of the most like quote unquote forgettable seasons of his career, um he uh he, no attacker or midfielder including tony cruz has as many key passes per 90 than isco um the only person who completes more dribbles per 90 is vinicius like he's He's isco like let's not like isco is like one of the best players in the world when it, when at the top of his game i just think like right now solari sees something else um and I don't know if you can even blame him for seeing it the way he does because other players in the squad are, are really good too, and the team is winning now. So that may change. Maybe like a month from now, Isco breaks into the team, gets back to like peak Isco, and things change again. I don't know. But at this moment, it's hard for me to blame Solari for what's, what's happening. Um, Brennan Powers. Good segue. Um, more, more Marcelo stuff. Um, and a question about Teo that you and I know a- too much about. So sure. Brennan Power says, with Marcelo's fluctuation in form, do you guys think it would have been better served to th- to have Teo Theo playing based on potential um, over Regulon? I know he plays a lot of minutes at Sociedad, but would playing minutes here help? I think Regulon is a good player, but he's about fourth in the left-back pecking order. I would bring Hakimi into this, but he's playing at a top club and has been great form all year and seems to thrive under Lucien Favre also at the end of this loan do you think it would be intelligent to sell him to Dortmund for a good fee or keep him he's really a right back playing on the left which he seems at home especially because he played there from Morocco with competition already have yet both back uh back positions Marcelo Teo Reguilon Carvajal, Drizola Nacho how do both um uh, wingbacks fit into the Madrid future
1: so this is a a great conundrum to be to have Madrid um, to have this problem. But first off, I mean you and I both know uh, at this point I think Teo is probably fourth in the pecking order. Yeah. Um, and I don't I don't really know where Guevoin falls in the pecking order because I, I don't think you can de- discredit the performances he has right now. And maybe you just say, hey. Um, when Ashraf comes back, right back and um, what, how that fits. Is it, do we have to thank Carvajal for his services and count on Ashraf and Odria and then uh, Teo and Reguilon on the other side or Marcelo and Reguilon on the other side, whatever it may be. I mean, we're, we obviously, I don't think it's, this upcoming summer, but maybe the summer after that is when all these tough decisions need to be made. Um, but as of right now, if the question's asking about, would we be better served having tail there? The answer is no. I mean, he simply hasn't, he, he's been all right. This season uh, has not been the Alavez tail yet. There's been moments and glimpses, but he just hasn't, hasn't been that great. Um, but where all these guys fall in the pecking order is still really to be decided and whether Ashrap, I mean, he'll probably play both left and right back when he comes back to Madrid. I mean, there's no point in pigeonholing these guys. If he's versatile enough, which he is, then he'll, I'm sure with all the injuries and suspensions we always have, he'll have ample opportunities at both, both positions.
0: Yeah. So I I'd sell Teo just straight out. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think he has a future at Real Madrid, but, uh, with this quote-unquote good problem to have, I think if we really, really wanted to find a way to mess up this good problem, the worst thing we could do is to sell at trap, I think. If it were up Agreed. to me, I would try to even <laughs> negotiate bringing him back early from his loan spell next summer, uh, or this summer, sorry. But there is also no real urgency to do that because with Regulon playing so well, there's it's not an urgent thing to bring him back now um, you could just wait two years and our our second year, and maybe Marcelo regresses by then, which I you know Marcelo's still young. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes we we label him as this like this fifty year old. He's not that old, and uh, hey. so. But I would bring Ashraf back. like that he is like priority for me. He has to come back. If we sell ashraf we really we really screwed up. Um. Like you said, he's versatile, he can play right back, left back, good. You can, you know, put him there. Um by the way, he looks great at left back, so it's not like he goes to left back as like this makes you left back. No, he's actually a good left back. Like he scored from that position this weekend. Not to spoil the Lone Tracker podcast, but you live under a rock if you haven't seen it yet. And um Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but I think Teo's Theo, gone. If if we're if our scouting is any good, Teo's gone, I think. With all due respect to him. And then, um, then you have Marcelo Regulon Carvajal Oderizola, which is I don't know. Figure out in two years. <laughs> a, it'll to be interesting. To, it'll be
1: interesting to see how that one actually does play out. Because I mean, yeah. it, it, it'll be interesting.
0: Last patron question, and then we're gonna wrap it up. Sajid Reyas says, "Is Kevin De Bruyne the player to replace Modric?" He's got great vision and would fit in nicely in a four three three 3 or as a right-sided midfielder in a 4 3 one alongside Isco. His defensive IQ has also increased this season and he's also got an amazing shot.
1: Yeah, I mean, De Bruyne was probably the best player in the Premier League last season and he's an absolutely phenomenal player, but I, I just don't think there's any way um, Man City's selling him. I don't think he really would want to leave and I don't think... Madrid's gonna break the bank and all the wage structure on Kevin De Bruyne. Even with how good he is, I just don't think they're gonna do that. So as much as it's nice to visualize this one and dream about this one, I just I don't know that it's um, that realistic.
0: Yeah, I I I think like despite this being our most stacked position in Sabio's and we still own Kovacic and and Isco, if like if you ask me. And this is coming from someone who loves Kovacic. If you ask me, if if we could have De Bruyne instead of Kovacic, I'd do it. I'd really, I'd do it really quickly. I think De Bruyne is really special. I think, you know, I, apart from Modric and Kroos, I would, if I had to pick one midfielder, I'd I'd pick him. Um, and that's the thing. I guess the scary thing about City is that we haven't seen that much of De Bruyne because just his, his injury, he's kind of easing his way back. Like his first game back, he scored that screamer. Was it today or yesterday against Burnley that he scored again and then he had some great passes. And once he gets going into the team, like that's a weapon that City haven't really had yet, that they're just gonna have now. And um but you're right, there there's no no reason Metro City would sell to us and I've never seen any, any interest from us with him, so uh that's I think probably not gonna happen. Uh anything go. to plug, Matt, before I wrap it up?
1: Uh, no, not at the moment. Just say, guys, become a patron. You'll you get to hear uh, you and I rave and sometimes criticize all the players on loan and uh, analyze their performances. And uh, you obviously get the midweek content and everything else that comes with being a patron. So it's it's really worth the value. So I, I highly recommend it. Um, get in, get in now if you can before uh, the March first changeover.
0: Yeah, so Matt and I will be back on Tuesday. We're going to discuss the players alone. That's only for patrons. So again, patreon.com slash managing Madrid. If you're already a patron or you're going to join us by then, we'll see you then. Uh, and then we also have another patron show on Wednesday night uh, that'll be going up after the Girona Games supplement. So until then, hala Madrid. Hala Madrid.